Amen. Great songs, by the way. New tunes, but great words, are they not? And uh, I think I've told the story before, but for those of you who are newer, uh, we, I love that last one, For All the Saints. I learned it with the old tune, and uh, we taught it to our kids. We used to sing it in the car, and my daughter would get it wrong and say, For All the Saints Who From Their Neighbors Rest. <laughs> Some of us would like to rest from our neighbors, right? One item I forgot in the announcements, of course, uh, Jody's mom passed away this last week. There are no services, so it was her mom's request, so that's a little unusual, but that's the way it is. If you want to extend condolences, I would advise stopping in later in the week. Um, there's a family gathering today, but unless you're really close and you can ask me if uh, that's a good idea, uh, they might be overwhelmed with the amount of people that are converging on their home today. So. Just tuck that away, and uh, all help and encouragement and prayer will be appreciated, I am sure. So that's the news, and a tough week. By the way, we do, do express appreciation to her. She and her sister came in and made sure all our annual meeting things were done on top of all the arrangements she was making. That girl is a trooper, so if you haven't said so already, you ought to. Uh, she's just great. I want to talk today about, and the music was all about, the church. And uh, so let's just be straight up. What is the church? Buildings on many corners with all kinds of weird programs going on in them too, depending. No, the church is the people of God. It's the people who've been redeemed. Uh, those of you who are searching out faith relationship with God, uh, there is one way through his son Jesus, and that's what the church was all about. The church of Jesus are the followers of Christ who have come into that relationship with him and understand how to be reconciled with God. And by the way, if you get reconciled with God really well, you can get reconciled with people too. Wow, there's a radical idea, huh? So there you go. Just wanted to say that. But I thought talking about churches... Um, there's a lot of strange things when we talk about church, right? 25 really strange things church members said to pastors. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you, I, if, if this hits home on anybody, it's totally accidental because this came nationally from Mr. Tom Rayner, so I did not contribute to this at all. So if you say, I said that once too bad anyway. <laughs> Will you bless me divorcing my husband so I can marry a convicted murderer? God told me to do it. Here's his, uh, he had some editorial comments, so I'll do an aside like this. Yes, I'm sure that's exactly what God said. I can't read all 25 or we'll be here too long. And also, you'll be so hysterical, you won't be able to listen to me. During the offertory, Pastor, do you have change for 20? Probably a deacon. To a worship pastor, where's Mike? Where'd you go? Mike, listen to this one. To a worship pastor after the service, here's the bulletin. I graded each song based on how worshipful it was. <laughs> Thank you. We will be sending you your grades about how much the uh, church staff loves you, you know. <laughs> I used to be a warlock. That was before or after you became a deacon. Okay. <laughs> Just before the service began... Pastor, there's no toilet tissue in the women's restroom. Makes you wonder what she would have said if the pastor was in the woman's restroom replacing the toilet tissue. 
Here's a good one. Thank you for shaving your facial hair. Because the Bible forbids it. Yes, it's right there in the Bible in Hezekiah 3.16. There's no such book, just in case you were wondering. Here's a good one. My husband's ashes are in two different places. Will Jesus be able to find him? Yeah. Pastor, help me cut this Coke can. I need an ashtray for the fellowship hall. Yes, things do go better with Coke. In the middle of the service, a woman asks, Pastor, aliens visited me. Is God okay with this? And by the way, I wouldn't have said this, but here's his answer. You are mistaken. They were Jehovah Witnesses, not aliens. Ooh, ow. Right, nasty. Some of these were like obviously mentally unhealthy people, so I won't quote them. Is it okay for me to lie if I ask forgiveness in advance? His response was definitely a Southern Baptist. Anyway, I don't know where he gets that from, but that was kind of funny. I have the spiritual gift of extortion. Extortion, not exhortation. Another Southern Baptist. Preacher, I have some moonshine for your cough. Feel free to stop by the house. That's one pastoral visit he made that week. Will you play George Jones songs in the service today? I'm sorry, we're doing all Bee Gees this week. <laughs> the, the guitars sound like two cats mating. I don't think that's a compliment. I want you to know, if this church fails, it's not your fault. <laughs> Gotta love those church members with the gift of encouragement. Pastor, I have some extra Vicodin. Would you like some? Probably not, but thank you for thinking of me. Here's the best one. Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to Vegas. I'll bet double or nothing he didn't pray for her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The reason I read that is because, let's be candid, churches can sometimes be strange. Somebody asked, sometimes? There's always strangeness here. Sometimes we're off kilter, a little bit weird, but at other times, the church can be awesome. It really can. Um, somebody mentioned this morning, the church is the hope of the world. That's a title of a message that Bill Hybels gave that, believe me, every time I watch it, breaks me down because of the impact that true, fired-up Christ followers can make in a broken world which we have too far little of, fired up Christ followers. Can be weird, but also can be awesome. When we know Christ and we have the power of his spirit, and I want to speak into what might hold us back from some of that today and uh, try to bring it home to our specific situation. I stole the title this morning uh, from, well, some of you may be King Arthur fans, the Once and Future Church, there was The Once and Future King, written by T.H. White, also responsible for the sword and the stone. At least you've seen the cartoon version with your kids or whatever. I, I was kind of a fan of the King Arthur legends and even enjoyed it in, in high school, which is amazing in high school English enjoying anything, but I did, uh, Tennyson's Idols of the King. Talking about King Arthur, who kind of took on a messianic role in the stories, 
There's a lot of that borrowing from the story of Jesus, our Messiah, hidden in all kinds of literature and even movies. But when we think about the impact of the Messiah on the world, I'm not going to talk about King Arthur. Just wanted to explain why I stole the title. The Once and Future Church. Because we can read about the Once Church, not only in the New Testament, but we can also read about it in the history of the church, which far too often evangelicals are ignorant of. And what about the future? Are there cycles? Are there weirdnesses and awesomenesses? Yes, in the history of the church. So we want to talk about that. And the songs that we sang were about the church. And some of you may recognize a few of the other songs, like Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken, Zion City of Our God, is not a reference to Jerusalem literally, although there may be a fulfillment of all those promises that we're going to see in the promised land on the earth in the future, but it's references to the people of God, the city of God, and that's a reference to the church of God. Glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken formed formed thee for his own abode. Who's the abode of God? The spirit indwells the children of God. Amen? O Zion, haste, thy mission high fulfilling. Anybody ever heard that song? To tell to all the world that God is light. Publish glad tidings, tidings of peace, tidings of Jesus, redemption and release. Old-fashioned songs, powerful lyrics, really powerful. And it's talking about Zion. I love thy kingdom, Lord. To Zion will be given all the glories and rewards of their service to Jesus. All of those songs are great. So let me take a few minutes to talk a little bit about the once and future church. When we read in the New Testament, we see in the book of Acts, the the church is birthed remarkably by a visitation of the Spirit, right? Everybody know Acts chapter 2? If you're new at it, you can take your time and read it later. Just find your way to Acts, the second chapter, you'll have a description. I just want to point out, for those of you who like to complain about big churches because how impersonal they might be, the very first church was a mega church. 3,000 souls come into the kingdom. Bam! And I said this last time because we all need to take a posture. Whatever church context God puts us in, do the best you can, period. That's all. Just do the best you can, small or large. God isn't impressed with numbers one way or the other. Neither should we be all that much. Although we do kind of go, hmm, what's going on over there? All right. So Pentecost is the beginning. Within 60 years, however, we have the Apostle John when the the gospel went throughout the Roman Empire all the way into Asia Minor, one of the churches, along with Colossae, which has the Colossian letters, Ephesians, the Ephesian letter, Ephesus. Ephesus was like the New York City of that time, the urban metropolitan cool place to be. And the kingdom was spread from that location by the hands of Paul and all his colleagues from Ephesus for at least two, two and a half years, the gospel went all over the area. Some of the churches that were planted as a result, Philippi, one of the neighboring towns, Laodicea. You might ring a bell on that, Laodicea. Because in Revelation, John writing just within 60 years, the history of the gospel spreading, very evangelistic fervor, 
the kingdom growing, then you have a whole series of rebukes to the church in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation. Everybody remember that? Well, let me remind you of one. This is famous. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and dine with him and he with me. The words before that say, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to who? Yeah, see, we love to use this verse for evangelism. And it works, but it's a misapplication. It's not an evangelistic verse. It's a verse spoken to the church. In other words, anybody remember the old oil painting of Jesus? Remember that? Standing, knocking at the door. Here's the problem. That's the church's door, and Jesus is shut out, and he's trying to get in. Ooh, ow. Do you have to talk about this kind of stuff? Yes. The verse after this one says, He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne, and I also, as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You can find that in your New Testament, and if you have a Bible in the pew, you find on 1227, Jesus speaking to the church at Laodicea. Does anybody remember what the problem was with the Laodicean church? I heard it, I heard it, lukewarm, right? I don't have time to unpack all the uh, culture of that. We love that. You know, God wants you hot or cold. And uh, I want you totally on fire or totally cold toward me, as if God would say that. You know, I want you totally cold toward me so I can condemn you because that's why I sent my son into the world because I loved you so much so that you could come to faith. The meaning of that comes out of, and this is the only one I'm going to unpack. Uh, some of us have heard it because we've been in smaller groups, but that city had hot springs and cold springs outside. So they built viaducts. Remember the Romans used to build viaducts? They'd bring water. It was like early days piped in, who's our water company? That's who it is, right? Utilities. Coming into the town, there's one problem. Cold water always works. Hot water, by the time it got into town, was lukewarm. Nobody has any use for lukewarm. Cold water you can drink. Hot water you can wash in. Lukewarm water is pretty useless. That's the comparison. Be useful rather than useless. Not be hot or cold. So I'm sure you've heard some great sermons on that that were wrong, but, you know, if it convicted you, praise God. Okay. You get the idea. I'm standing at the door. What was the problem with that church in Laodicea? You say, I've got everything I need. I'm doing really well. I'm really cool. I got it together. Hoo, hoo, hoo. And he's saying, you are a mess and you don't even get it. There's a reason I use that text because we have, as an assembly, been making some progress, a little bit of progress. What I want to guard us against, because I've seen some of it, is strutting. Uh, There's a verse that says God is opposed to the proud, and he gives grace to who? The humble. So sometimes I have to remind myself, oh, am I lacking in grace because I'm getting too strutty? 
You know what I'm saying? Puffed up, you think you've arrived, whatever. Just because we've achieved a little bit of health doesn't mean we're out of the woods. We're not out of the woods yet. So the spirit is striving with us. And by the way, I do have that sense, and I'm just going to speak it bluntly. I think there's some way in which the spirit of God is held outside the door. So I'm going to give us hope today because there's a way. The scripture says, draw near to God, and what will happen? He will draw near to us. So I just want to guard us against that, that we don't do that because I don't want in any way to grieve the spirit and lose the opportunity for him to help us greatly, right? We can be a little weird. We can also be a little awesome. <laughs> Let God help us in that process, okay? Let me read a couple of things that will speak into this. Uh, I'm using, I'm, I, I have a stack, you wouldn't believe, these things come out two and three times a week. So for four years, I've been saving them. I've got a stack like this. I, I have Jody go through them and say, if they're redundant, throw them out. If there's additions, keep the added one. So here's one that's gone around a number of times. I want to read two things out of this. Nine changes churches must make or die. We must be intentional about reaching people instead of depending on easy growth in the church. Churches that have an entitlement mentality are churches who are already on the path to death. One of the reasons we made, I, I'm just going to be blunt, I pulled the trigger a year ago when we pulled the pews out of here. Listen to how quiet it is. The Spirit told me, pull the trigger. We need to be, we need to break up our fallow ground. We need to be broken out of, this is the way it has to be. No, it doesn't have to be. This church doesn't even have to be. Laodicea is no longer in existence. There's no church there. The song said the churches will prevail. The church, not our church necessarily. I wouldn't be staying here if I didn't have hope that it could. So I want to make sure we get anything in the way out of the way. Okay, That was simply a test. And by the way, you guys passed because we had more fun and enthusiasm doing that job. You were almost giddy. It was so much fun. It was great. And it has worked for us and is working. Nine changes we must make. There are so many good things churches do to the neglect of the best things they could be doing. Ow. Does this pastor ever not meddle? No. Churches must stop bemoaning the death of cultural Christianity. We are post-Christian. Stop expecting non-Christians to act like Christians or get it. They don't get it at all. The Roman Empire didn't get it, but the Christians won the day. They weren't like, you actually think that? You think Zeus is God, you idiot? They didn't do that. They won them. Churches must cease to see the church as a place of comfort and stability in the midst of rapid change. Yes, there's a place where I want my church to comfort me. It should be a place where I'm with the saints and I sense the presence of God and all of that. It should minister to me. But it doesn't mean everything can stay the same all the time. Churches must start doing evangelism. They must stop focusing on minors. They must stop shooting their own. 
What? Churches must stop wasting time in unproductive meetings, committees, and business sessions. And here's the one I love, and I'm going to reinforce this. Churches must become houses of prayer. Nine very hopeful signs for American churches. This is good news. A new wave of corporate prayer. More church leaders are emphasizing prayer. The perfunctory prayer meeting is being replaced with new forms of passionate and concerted prayer. The kingdom goes forward on its, the church goes forward on her knees. That's an old catchphrase. I still believe it. I'm that old fashioned and stubborn to believe that without it, we're going to hit a wall. And out of that comes, I believe, a rekindling of evangelism, a concern for the lost. It can make all the difference. Let me show you a picture in in the Old Testament that is is symbolic and has been used by many theologians historically to illustrate the church. It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord will be exalted, established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised up above the hills. Many peoples will stream to it, and many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the word of God even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's a picture of God's invitational heart to the nations, right? Here it is in the Old Testament, so amazingly fulfilled over the history of the church. Um, And I'm going to share a story that I think I shared at a prayer meeting one night, and I will share again. By the way, I don't know how to solve the corporate prayer issue. I really don't. Because so much of our culture competes with the kingdom purposes. There's so much time tied up in so many crazy things. I hate to ask anybody to do anything extra. I'm a little bit wussy that way. I I hate to put any more pressure on people, but I'm just going to say this. I don't know how we're going to get God in here without seeking his face. And we've been doing some of that, and it's been kind of cool when we gather to pray. Anybody want to say amen? We sense his spirit striving with us. Woohoo! Don't let me get too excited. You know, somebody may get wound up here. But people will be coming to know the God of Israel through his Savior Son, Jesus the Christ. How cool is that? The church has been weird and off track, and the church has been awesome. Let me tell you about a time when the church was kind of weird and off track that it became awesome. Anybody ever heard of a gentleman named Count von Zinzendorf? Okay, how many of you ever go to the Amish country? Okay, so you've been over there? It's always very quaint, very cool. If you go a little north of Lancaster, that's the right way to say it, Lancaster, there's a town called Lidditz, very much Pennsylvania Dutch town. The town of Lidditz, right in the center of town, has a big complex that belongs to the Moravian Church. Some of the Moravian Church today, not so strong on gospel as much as they once were, but some still. Here's where it started, however. The issue of seeking God for his work of his spirit to advance the good news around the globe. 
Count von Zinzendorf started a community called Hernhut that had people from all kinds of different church backgrounds staying with them. In other words, all disenfranchised, all not quite happy. They were argumentative. Of course, you know, they know this guy knows how to baptize right and you don't. And this guy interprets this passage right and you don't. And so they're... Finally, Count von Zinzendorf got so fed up, he started a prayer meeting. What a radical idea. And they pushed and prayed until something actually happened. So let me read from Leonard Ravenhill's book, Revival Praying. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come. We read that when the shepherds kept watch over their flocks by night, suddenly a heavenly host was saying glory to God in the highest. Same thing in the book of Acts. Suddenly there was a sound of a rushing wind. Even so with the Moravians at Hernhut in Saxony, Zinzendorf and a little remnant were assembled together, listen to this, praying fervently for God to bring peace among them and deal with them. And it says, when precisely, suddenly, at 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday, the 13th of August, 1727, the Holy Ghost descended. Said Bishop Hass, famous historian, when the Spirit came, was there ever in the whole church history such an astonishing prayer meeting as that which began in 1727? Listen to this. This is one church, so to, so to speak, one small Christian community. Listen, it went on a hundred years. Did you hear what I just said? The prayer meeting went on a hundred years. It was something absolutely unique. It was known as the hourly intercession, which meant that by relays, brethren and sisters made prayer to God without ceasing for all the work and wants of his church. Out of that small community, more than 100 missionaries went from them alone in 25 years. True prayer always leads to action. And in the case of the Moravians, it kindled a burning desire to make Christ's salvation known to the heathen. Spirit praying results in spirit-directed activity. One church sent out hundreds. Ultimately, in the first 25 years, it went on. And the reason there is that place in Lydis is because of their missionary emphasis. Looking out that the mountain of the Lord would be exalted and people would be drawn. We are still here. God didn't kill me and take me home, and he didn't kill you and take you home when you accepted Christ, which would have been totally logical. He saved. Jim Whittle, come home. <laughs> because we still have a mission. And it's not to make us happy. It's to win those people who don't get it. And they're all around us. So let me encourage you with one last passage of Scripture. Can you believe I'm almost done? This is a miracle. I'll take an amen. Okay. Look at this verse in Hosea. I will go away and return to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face in their affliction they will earnestly seek me. The very next verses, I won't take time to read and talk about, let's come seek the Lord. He has broken us, but he will heal us. He will strengthen us. He'll help us recover. He will give us his power. He'll be with us. Here's where it starts. When I've gotten away, I need to come back. This works the same for individuals. It also works the same for churches. 
Oh, two and a half years ago, we walked through a solemn assembly. That was our second time. We had done one before I came. When I came, it was obvious to me that the fruit of it was not sufficient, so we did another one. I'm just going to go on record. I fear that there's still some things that need to be uncovered. God says, I'll return to my place. You come clean with me, I'll come forward to you. I'm that dumb. I believe that if I have my sins cleansed through the blood of Christ because I've acknowledged my sin, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe his spirit does at that point make himself available to me. I really believe that. That's probably why John Wesley, when he was spreading the gospel around the world with his ministers, made this kind of a statement. This is not an exact quote, so I don't want to be criticized about it, but it's pretty close. Give me a hundred men who love God and fear nothing but sin, and I will change the world. Who love God and fear nothing but sin, and I will change the world. We don't talk much about sin, do we? Not in our culture. It's a no-no. It's all been politicized. It's been changed. Syndromes. Whatever. God is in the business. If we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So what I'm asking is where and what places do we need to draw near? Let me read one. I could make a list of uh, some things we're going to talk in our business meeting. There are some areas we need to tweak, we need to correct All right, here's one of them. And uh, this one's quite relevant because we're trying to, we have a team here, there's a report in our annual meeting statement uh, about um, trying to welcome and engage and make this an, an enfolding place, right? We're still having a hard time with it. I'm just being blunt, we're having a hard time with it. Five reasons growth may be more difficult in your church, that pain guy Rainer again. Pew study showed us that from 2007 to 2014, over 12 million American adults have moved from a high level of religious commitment to a low level. They totally skipped the medium level, just went straight down. Here's what he says. Cultural Christianity is dying, but we are reaching fewer, but they are reachable, is his point. Here's the reasons. Church members are not being intentionally relational with those who are not in church. Church members are not regularly inviting people to church. I'm not going to take a survey, but come on, let's be honest about that right now. We're not inviting them. Are we embarrassed? Well, then let's fix what's embarrassing us. Let's fix it. Many church members fail to act like Christians on social media. Oh, boy, I'm not touching that one. Inviting people to church. Yes, it can be that simple. Many of the religiously unaffiliated will come to church if we invite them. But it's difficult for them to respond to an invitation that they never get. If they come to church, here's the sad one. If they come to church, they only have a mediocre experience. The religiously unaffiliated do visit our churches from time to time. But more often than not, they see our holy huddles and our lukewarm greetings, most will not return. It's more than a smile and a handshake. 
it's got to be an ethos adjustment. I was so grateful to a family that's sitting in here, I won't embarrass them, who I have some new Christians in the family had went out of their way to pick that brother up and bring him to church. And it's like, thank you. Because that kind of hands-on action goes a long way. So one of the things that has to adjust is that. And I have a bunch of thoughts, but my time is up by my own choice. My time is up. But I'm going to pause for just a second as I speak into these things just to ask, are there any questions about what I said this morning? And then we're going to shift into our business meeting and everything's going to adjust. If you do need to leave, you're welcome to do after I close in prayer in a minute. And um, But you're welcome to stay. And we're hoping that we're all done by half past, which is like when I'm a long-winded preacher, that's as long as I go, half past the hour. So any questions? I totally freaked you out. <laughs> I totally lost us. Yes, ma'am. What do you find what you mean by cultural yeah, cultural Christianity is um, what I distinguish between true Christian Christianity and Christendom. Christendom is all around the world. You travel around the world, you see cathedrals, you see people who are still in the process or the pattern of going to the cathedral. Is there a lively faith relationship? No. There may not be any true faith at all, but we do the cultural Christian things. Some of the leftovers of that, somebody was joking this last week about the blue laws. Remember the blue laws? You can't, stores weren't open on Sundays and things like that. It's part of the, yeah, and now, to be blunt, I wish they were closed again. But anyway, uh, there's a big competition between the world and the church. And if I can say this, one of our problems as an assembly, I'm just going to be blunt. We can't, we can't staff ministries sufficiently. And the commitment to what happens here, and by the way, I'm, it's not because I preach here and this is my job on Sunday, but the commitment is last on the priority list for far too many people, including members. I get around to it when I can. I don't prepare for what I'm supposed to be doing or I let it fall through the cracks or whatever. Somewhere along the line, that part of our ethos has to get corrected. So it can be done. It can be done. And there is, as I said, some stirring and the last, I hate to even mention it because the last thing I want to do is heap more weight on people. And some of us are too busy as it is, and you need to learn about the Sabbath, the internal Sabbath, as well as, you know what I mean? So, did that help? Yeah. Okay. Sir. Yes, sir. I, it's kind of a big question, but I know I'm kind of a new guy, so it's Going to roll with it? Nope, can't answer it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I can give it to you in two seconds. Get off social media. Just get off it. I know, I know. 
Even Mr. Rayner would say I'm wrong. I don't care what he says. One day I'm going to be proven right. Get off it. And some people have already made the move to get off it because, first of all, think of the time you're losing. And second of all, do you know why we don't try to have reconciliation meetings on emails? Because we never understand what we're saying to each other. They're the worst way. Face-to-face is always the best. We're, we're decaying. I said I could give it to you in five seconds and listen to me. <laughs> our, our whole relational world is collapsing because we're like this. And so we don't even talk, look at each other. It's like, did you notice how they looked at me? Did you know they didn't look at me? Whatever. Did you notice he got run over by a car? Cause he was... I'm going to stop now. See what you did? Right. Any other questions? We're going to stop. Ready? One last one. Okay, very good. Let's stand together. I'll dismiss us in prayer. If you need to go, you can slip out. If you're members, you need to stay and vote. If you're interested or you, you consider this your assembly, you're welcome to stay and to, and to listen in. And I'm going to explain that, too, in just a second. All right. God, thank you for the gathering of your people out of the world to give you attention today. And, Lord, we want to give you our full attention. So help us as a congregation. I, I am acknowledging I don't have all the answers, but we know that you do. And we're asking for wisdom. We're asking you to help us make the right priority calls so that you're first, that we can draw near to you, and that you can draw near to us. So we pray for help today. Bless your congregation as we go into business now. It's ultimately yours, and we want to honor you. So help us in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen and amen. If you need to leave, you can. If you're staying for the meeting, you're here. We've got junior church covered for the next 15 minutes or so, and then we're going to let the junior church people come up to vote, and we're going to have some young people and one adult, Mrs. Peterson, I believe, was volunteered to watch the kids in the gym till our session is over. Okay?